We are exposed to millions of microorganisms every day, but we don't fall sick that often. It is because our immune system is working hard in the background to keep us safe, without us even knowing it. We will discuss how this happens in this podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the first episode of Antibodies. I am Jatin. And I'm Autumn. <laughs> What's so funny? I heard this really good immunology joke. Okay, I'm all ears. Okay, how do immunologists lice bacteria? Mm, I've heard, I'm, I'm sure I've heard that one, okay. <laughs> all right, I don't remember, what, how? <laughs> Through the tears of their failed experiments. Oh my God, what? <laughs> yes. That is so lame and so hey, nerdy. <laughs> we're doing an immunology podcast. I think we're both lame and nerdy. All right then. <laughs> if you did not get that joke, then this is the podcast for you. We are here in our multi-million dollar studio. You mean my apartment. Hey, it's a podcast. We can be wherever we want. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted to do a podcast that's an overview of immunology for people that are interested but maybe aren't that familiar with the concepts and terms. Immunology is notorious for having a lot of complicated terms that have no logical pattern. So we'll be going over the basics very carefully. We will be combining research papers, important stories from well-known scientists, and chapters from the immunology textbook like Kubi. Our first season, Immunology 101, is for anyone from a beginner who is just starting to delve into this subject or a seasoned immunologist looking to brush up on the fundamentals. If you have some papers that you want us to go through or there are parts of the podcast that you need more detail on, we'll have a comment corner next episode. Let's jump into the immunology right now. The concept of immunology stems from the early understanding that individuals who recovered from diseases were less likely to get sick again. The term immunology comes from the Latin word immunitas, which means exempt, as in certain individuals are exempt from getting a disease or were immune to it. Our body contains a complex system that provides us immunity to diseases. This system is called the immune system and the study of the immune system is called immunology. Right before we start, are there any terms that the audience should know about? Yes, there are three terms that we will define before we proceed. The first one is pathogen, and that just means anything that causes a disease. So for example, if a virus causes influenza or flu, does that mean the virus is a pathogen? Exactly. So the virus, um, if you get the flu, the virus would be the pathogen. If you got sick from a salmonella poisoning and you got um, like food poisoning, then the bacteria salmonella would be the pathogen. Okay, that, that, uh, that seems simple. Okay, good. The second one is mortality, and that means the rate of death. To be clear, if I say that salmonella has a mortality rate of 5%, what does that mean? So that would mean that 5% of the people who are infected with salmonella will die. Oh. Yes. That's, that's very sad. It's scary. <laughs> is, is, is that the real 
statistics on that, salmonella. We, we don't know if that's the real statistic, so please don't quote us. We are not citing that work. <laughs> um, and the third one is lesion, which means a damaged or injured area on a tissue. Like if I said skin lesion, it would mean a wound on the skin, and that will come up frequently throughout this podcast. Okay, I think that is a good introduction of some of the terms that we're going to use. So that's it. All right. There is no way to talk about the history of immunology without bringing smallpox into the picture. Smallpox was a deadly disease that is believed to have originated around 10,000 BC. The disease was variably fatal and the mortality rate was 40 to 60%. Even the survivors would be left with disfiguring scars and not to forget the social stigma that they carried along with having the disease. It was introduced in Europe around the 5th or 7th century. It may be hard to believe, but smallpox played a crucial role in the decline of the Roman Empire. The brave Romans did not see that virus coming. They they? did not see the virus coming. And not only that, but when the Spanish conquistadors invaded the New World, they introduced this disease to the Aztecs and the Incas. These two civilizations were not only fighting the Spanish, but also smallpox. And during the French-Indian War in North America, the British even deliberately delivered smallpox virus to the Native Americans who weren't so amicable. As an Indian, I can say that is so British. That's such a British thing to do. (laughs) Well, I'll leave that to you to decide. In Europe, the patients were often called speckled monsters. Insensitive. It is very insensitive. They need a training on that. My question here is, if smallpox was such a big problem, were there any existing remedies? Yes, there were a few remedies used in certain parts of the world. And let's talk about this one that wasn't a great idea. In the 16th century, Dr. Sindenham treated his patients with cold treatment. And guess what what his medicine was? Uh, what? It was 12 bottles of beer every 24 hours. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so what if the patients were getting better, but they would just pretend to be sick to keep that beer coming? I mean, that sounds like a pretty good gig for those patients, <laughs> but I guess we'll never know. So coming to remedies that did work, Records from China, Africa, and India suggest that they used a technique called inoculation. And what does inoculation mean? Inoculation means grafting. And in general terms, let's say that you have smallpox and I could take a scab from your skin, grind it, and inject that using a sharp lancet under the skin of a non-immune person. When you said scab, did you mean a lesion? A lesion, exactly. You're learning the term. So smallpox causes lesions on the skin um, all, all over your body, and they would contain virus. Apart from inoculation, there's another term that is often thrown around in this context. I think it's called variolation. Right. Well, we have a short backstory. The word variola was the term used for smallpox, and it comes from the Latin word varus, meaning mark on the skin, like the lesions we were talking about. And variolation means the same thing as inoculation, and they're actually used interchangeably. Thanks for clarifying that. But most importantly, did this variolation or inoculation actually work? 
Well, it came with its own risks like unwanted spread or dissemination of smallpox, but it was the best way that they had at the time. And in fact, in 17th century, the practice was brought to the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And you will not believe this. In the Ottoman Empire, young girls were inoculated so that they wouldn't get smallpox and they would have flawless, beautiful skin who could eventually serve as part of the Sultan's harem. And what's harem? Well, okay, that's a little too <laughs> too spicy for our podcast, so we can talk about this after we record. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards. Okay. <laughs> In the 18th century, Lady Mary Wortley Montague advocated for variolation in England. She had suffered from an episode of smallpox herself, which left her face disfigured. She also lost her brother to the disease. She requested that variolation be performed on her four-year-old daughter in the presence of a physician of the royal court. And it worked. They could take it to the next step, prisoners and orphans. Wait, what? Did you say orphans? <laughs> yeah, so they actually use prisoners and orphans to test some of these medicines on, which is interesting. Yes, who else apart from those uh, nobody cares about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. After that, the acceptance for variolation grew. And in the 18th century, there came a breakthrough. Edward Jenner, a bright and curious mind of the time, was astutely observing some milkmaids. Ooh, are we getting spicy again? We are getting spicy, but it was in a scientific way. It was for science, so it was fine. <laughs> okay, that's so, fine. <laughs> um, Jenner had heard a dairymaid say, I shall never have smallpox, for I have had cowpox. I shall never have an ugly pockmarked face. And it was a common fact, a common belief that dairy maids were in some way protected from smallpox. I have to stop you right there. Okay. We're talking about smallpox, yes. but what is cowpox? Okay, so cowpox is a viral disease in cows, and the cowpox virus is related to the smallpox virus, and that means that they are they are very physically similar. Cowpox can be transferred to humans through contact with cows, so like milkmaids who are milking the cows can get it on their hands, but it's a much more mild disease to humans than smallpox is. Okay, that yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so back to Jenner, he was trained in clinical surgery and medicine, so one day he found a young dairy maid, Sarah Nelms, who had fresh cowpox lesions again, um, and he took some of the skin from those lesions and inoculated an eight-year-old boy I'm gonna call 911 right now. Jenner <laughs> is experimenting on eight-year-olds again. We better call the cops. Um, and on the 10th day, the boy had recovered from cowpox. So later, when Jenner inoculated him with a fresh smallpox lesion, he did not get the disease at all. And that was it, the birth of vaccinations. Uh, that, that sounds very promising, but I can't understand this. Can you tell me how inoculation with cowpox lesions made him immune to smallpox? I It, it just doesn't make sense in my head. Okay, so um, the boy became immune to cowpox initially, and since smallpox and cowpox are similar and they're related, his immune system was also able to later fight off the smallpox virus. And our immunity follows the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Okay, also, uh, how was it? How was this vaccination here uh, better than the older techniques used, like variolation? 
Well, variolation was a crude technique and could still result in the death of the individual. And cowpox was a much more mild disease so that if people were inoculated with smallpox lesions, they could either become immune or they could just die. Oh, that, yeah. that's, not, that's that's a very big price to pay. It's, it's high stakes situation. And so people who were inoculated with cowpox lesions, they would always become immune since there's no risk of them dying from cowpox. And because of that, this discovery spread quickly throughout the whole world. There is a quote from the QB immunology book that describes the situation I'm going to talk about. As so often happens in science, serendipity in combination with astute observation led to the next major advancement in immunology. Okay, so what does this mean? Yes, in English, that means <laughs> when your hard work meets good luck, great things happen. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. The next story is about a second major breakthrough that would completely change the world of immunology. Enter Louis Pasteur. He's associated with many different areas of science and microbiology. The story goes that Pasteur had found a way to grow foul cholera bacteria known to cause cholera in chickens. He knew about Jenner's discovery and wanted to translate his finding to foul cholera. He was injecting chickens with these cholera bacteria. Unfortunately, all of the chickens that were injected succumbed to infection and died. This is different from what happened in smallpox where a certain number of individuals would survive and become immune. The technician who was working for Pasteur and was in charge of injections left on a vacation in the middle of his work. <laughs> That's exactly like me last month when I went to Vancouver for that comedy show. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, <laughs> I suddenly feel so bad for your PI. Me too. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> So when the technician came back, he injected the chickens with the same culture that had grown old. The bacteria had run out of nutrients because somebody did not change the growth media. Wait, wait, what is growth media? Okay, I'll give you an analogy here. Let's assume you have a dog. I would if my landlord wasn't such a jerk. <laughs> let's, let's not talk about it right okay, now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just assume you have a dog and your landlord is okay with that. Okay, uh, I'll try. You have to feed the dog every day, else he will become weak and die. Similarly, when you grow bacteria, they need to be fed too. Growth media is the bacteria food. Oh, okay. So when the technician went on a vacation, the bacteria were starving. That's right. Okay. Back to the story, when he came back from the vacation, he injected the chickens with the starving batch of bacteria. To his surprise, the chickens that were injected, they became sick, but they recovered. Ooh. Yeah, he was astonished too. That's cool. He then decided to actually make a fresh culture of bacteria who were completely healthy, no more starving, and he planned to inject a fresh batch of chickens. Because he did not have an endless supply of chickens like KFC does, he also ended up using the chickens from his previous experiment where he used the weakened bacteria. Huh. These new batch of chickens, they died 
as expected as has has always been happening but to his surprise the old surviving chickens did not get the disease they were immune oh that's cool it's like jenner yes it it was just the kind of moment it turned out that the starving bacteria had become so weak that they were not able to kill the chickens this allowed the chickens immune system to fight and make them immune for to future infections that's awesome pasteur's work was one of the first examples of a live attenuated vaccine okay hold on so what is a live attenuated vaccine it means inoculating with a disease causing organism which has been weakened in this story the bacteria became weakened due to starvation and we um, i want to bring back to your saying mm-hmm. that that you were talking about <laughs> what does not kill you makes you stronger okay that that totally makes sense here yes the term vaccine stems from the latin word vaca meaning cow this is all a throwback to the jenner's work with cowpox all right jenner <laughs> His work field interest in the field of immunology and is why we both have jobs and research projects now. <laughs> There's another part to this story that involves a secret clinical trial where Pasteur gets a little sketchy. Like always. Like always. <laughs> a young boy was bitten by a dog who had rabies and Pasteur tested a series of attenuated rabies virus shots on him. Oh, the boy? Was he an orphan? Where are, this, <laughs> where are the prisoners now? He probably was a, a, an orphan and a prisoner <laughs> all at once. <laughs> um, he tested it on this boy directly. Uh, just, just imagine if, if he was publishing this paper what would be the materials and methods like um, i found three boys playing in my yard i caught hold of one of them i gave them this unknown compound and he did not die hence i think this could be a treatment yeah that sounds perfect just he'll say go to your backyard and wrangle up some little 8 year olds long story short the kid was able to recover And an interesting part is that he actually ended up working as a janitor at the Pasteur Institute. It's also important to know that even though Pasteur understood that this type of vaccination with an attenuated strain or bacteria or virus worked to prevent disease or at least lower the mortality rates of disease, he did not know how the process was working. So we needed other scientists to further work to figure the mechanism out. How is this happening? And what's going on in our in our bodies uh, because of this vaccine? This is also why we have jobs today. So <laughs> thanks to all the other immunologists that came before us for leaving gaps in knowledge for us to fill. Thank you other immunologists. <laughs> so so what was the mechanism? How is variolation or vaccination making people immune and what is actually happening in our bodies? Yeah, in simple words I could say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but What does that actually mean? How, how that doesn't work always. Right. So that's a very good question actually. <laughs> And the right answer for that we'll be discussing in the future episodes of Antibodies. All we'll right. get more into what is going on in our bodies and discuss different immune cells and how we can get immunity from more pathogens. To see the sources of this episode, you can find them on our Facebook page Antibodies and our Twitter page at antibodies1. Please don't forget to follow us on both of these socials so that you do not miss any episode of Antibodies. 
Hey, have you thought about the joke for our next episode? Uh, not right now, but I will go to this meme page called Immunobiology Memes for Histamine Release. <laughs> it's a funny name, but it, it, they have some really nice memes there and I'll get some idea about the joke for our next episode there. <laughs> that sounds like a great page. I'll have to follow them yes. so I can get jokes too. <laughs> so stay tuned to learn more on the next episode and thanks for listening and leave a comment about different areas of immunology that you want us to cover or questions that you had from today's episode. And don't forget to like and subscribe to give some tired graduate students some excitement and distraction from all of our failed experiments. We'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.